You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am thrilled to introduce you to someone I've actually known for quite a while now. Sean is also a globally recognized innovation strategist, amongst many things. He is a partner with Queen and Rook, where he advises leading organizations and executives on disruptive trends. So Sean, I know you've kind of been in various fields. A lot of people know you as a speaker. Can I tell you about the journey to this new organization? And I need to know about the name, Queen and Rook. It sounds cool. I'm assuming chess. Yeah, I love chess. I love chess. Well, first of all, before I start, I just want to say I'm honored and humbled to be on the number one marketing podcast in the country. Well, technically number two. We need to update that. Really number two. <laughs> Huge shout out to Terry O'Reilly and his amazing show because it's probably my favorite marketing show and we will never get more listeners than well, that. God bless Terry. But after this episode, we are taking over. We are taking over number one, number one marketing podcast in Canada. No, humbled and honored to be there. And by the way, Wherever you are, like subscribe, rate, review this podcast. We're putting a lot of work. If you've seen any video clips of this, like it looks amazing and it sounds amazing. So just give it some love. That's what I would say. And, you know, the journey, I think to give you a little bit of quick synopsis of my journey, you know, I spent 12 years at Deloitte working in this idea of strategy, innovation. I broke off about four years ago, starting my own thing around Queen and Rook. We advise organizations on disruptive trends and how to apply innovation. We also you know, are speaking on this topic and advising organizations. And I live and breathe this whole idea of disruption and innovation. And it's always changing. And that's what I love. Can't wait to talk more about it. So as a speaker, and I find this so fascinating because I rarely would do a talk every once in a while. Good old Jeff at Talent Bureau would sometimes pull me in. Mostly I think when his like big talent couldn't do something and then he'd ask <laughs> someone else and then it'd come to me. Like I'm like the third in the hey, line of like batters, I, I'm like, I, I All totally right, disagree. Guy. I think you're unbelievable. And actually, you know, the reason I told you this before coming on this pod, like, you know, 99.99% of the people that are listening to this pod have no idea who Sean Canungo is. They've never heard of him, but they're here for you. They're here for your insights and you have an incredible marketing mind. And so I'm going to be selfish during this podcast and try to learn as yeah, much as I can yeah. from you. So you're too kind. I'm going to talk about what you did as a speaker though, which I find fascinating. So instead of like, sure. hey, I'm going to set up like a room in my basement, I'm going to set up a room, you know, convert my closet. What did you do when you got asked to speak at something virtually? What was your setup? Yeah. So when the pandemic hit, obviously there was no, you know, events happening. And I actually called up my team that I work with, the film team that I work with. Uh, normally I said, have you guys ever done a live stream? And they're like, no. And I'm like, I haven't either, but let's create the best damn live stream that anybody's ever seen. And so we quickly went to work. We rented out theaters. So April, 2020, we started shooting in theaters, content and keynotes in theaters. And then we did every single keynote. I've never done a keynote, virtual keynote without a theater. And it's we're hundreds of keynotes in. I've never done it. And the reason why we do it, we have a whole film crew and multiple cameras and we're in this giant 750 person theater is that what's interesting is that in digital, now we live in a digital world. Of course, I can show up in my sweatpants on a Zoom call and you know it's really easy to do. But when somebody looks like they put in a lot of effort, and by the way, we did and we do, it actually results in greater meaning and significance to the end user. Actually, what happens is that this is a trick and for the marketing folks in the room, you already know this. This is the trick. The trick is, is that when you put in more effort, actually people are going to listen to it a little bit more. So by the way, today I got a nice mic. Why? Because maybe you're going to listen to this and the message that I'm going to deliver is going to sound a little bit better or it's going to sink in a little bit better. That's marketing. 
That's awesome, man. So again, I don't know how much you want to share, but like cost-wise, so you would rent a theater, you'd hire yep. like a one-person videography, or would you have two cameras so going? So we'd have one. Yeah, I mean, you technically, so we'd rent out the theater. I work with a brother duo. Mazin yep. would be the producer. Yep. And then Mo would be on the, he would be on the Movi or Gimbal. He would be on this like machine. We'd have like two, three other cameras set up. They would be stationary. And then we just move across this theater. What's funny is that I watch all these like AV crews where there's like 800 people like at their disposal. And to be honest with you, we produce a better product and a better looking product with two people. And yeah, it's kind of disrupted how we kind of do virtual events. It's amazing. So I'm just going to throw some guesses out there. So the theater was probably so because they finally got to rent out to someone because it was empty. And then two-person crew, you pay their day rates and they're not editing, which is the great thing, but the guy's managing the control so he knows the best angle to get. And is it all streaming then using like a Cam 4 into Zoom or whatever crazy on 24 or whatever device they were streaming with? Yeah, yeah. They're using a Roland, which is like a video switcher. Yeah. And then they have wireless... You're asking me like the technical details, I don't know. But they have a wireless camera... And then they are able to stream this out to any platform, Zoom, Teams, whatever. Incredible. And yeah, basically we took what people do with sports like NBA games and and this is exactly what they do. And with the switcher and you know, being able to cut between different shots and yeah, it's pretty incredible. And you would put stuff on the screen behind you. Because when like a lot of people share their PowerPoint, you'd be like, you'd actually point to the theater behind like the actual screen. Yeah, there's a screen and then we put the graphics in front. So like if I'm not facing the screens not behind me, I put the graphics in front. And yeah, just playing. We're just playing and exploring and experimenting and still doing wow. it to this day. It's remarkable. Because I never saw anyone else do that to that level. I don't know if you ever discovered anyone. or I didn't see to... anybody do that. No. no, to the level that we did consistently, like yeah. hundreds, like I never saw it. And, you know, because I think, number one, it is sometimes it could be cost prohibitive. And it could be, but to me, it's like about the value and the effort, right? Like, you know, whether it's an in-person event, if there's a thousand people there, do you know how much money is put into that event? There's a thousand people taking an hour out of their time. They flew somewhere, they got somewhere. There's like millions of dollars of productivity in that room. And so I don't want to take it lightly that people are coming and watching and listening something for 60 minutes. For God's sakes, I'm going to put in the effort to do that. So even when it happens virtually, if I have, you know, a couple hundred people or a thousand people listening to that, they're taking their time. That's million dollars of productivity. I might as well make and put in the effort so that I show up and it's valuable for them. I mean, that's just respect. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, tell me about this conundrum. When you've been asked to do a talk and they're like, oh, we want you to pre-record it. We want you to do it live. Do you feel like you have as much energy doing a pre-recorded talk that you do for a live talk? So I, first of all, I don't like doing pre-recorded talks because it's like, we still do it in theaters, by the way, and we still do it, but the magic is live, actually. Yeah. And I still have the same energy, but I think the magic is live. Actually, it's when I mess up. It's the serendipity when like, you know, we used to do things like FaceTime people yeah. or like, you know, respond to people's questions and, you know, live. That's the magic. Yes. Everything else is, if it's pre-recorded, like just put it on YouTube. Like what's yeah. the difference, right? It has to be live, in my opinion. Yeah, no, no. What it's do you incredible. think? I don't know. You've seen people do this and, you know, you're in the production, media, marketing world, like pre-recorded, isn't that just a YouTube video? Yeah, I've met people though, like other speakers where I've asked them and they're like, they love it because they're like, oh yeah, I can go into my room and I've got this talk ready. And I think, but for me, I felt like 
man, I felt like 20% of me was there because like I live and thrive off the energy of the audience and knowing that there's people engaging. And so to do a pre-record talk, it was just so draining, I found, and hard, and it didn't come across as good as I would have hoped. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I totally agree. I think hopefully the producers, I get why event organizers want to do pre-recorded because they're scared. Seemed, yeah. They're scared. Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, what if the Wi-Fi or whatever doesn't work out? But if you want to produce a really compelling 60 minutes, you have to make it live. No, for sure. Otherwise, why don't you invite a bunch of people and be like, hey, I'm just going to play some TED Talks for you. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Are great. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, man. And for you now, like the switch to go from Deloitte, which we've all heard of and seen probably in every major city, there's a Deloitte building. But like, what was it like going from that to kind of going independent and the consulting work that you do? Yeah, yeah. No, so I love Deloitte. I spent 12 years there and I loved every second of it. And I would have continued on. The punchline is, is that I saw the power shift to me because of content, because of influence, because, you know, I saw clients coming to me or talent coming to me. And I'm like, I can do this on my own. Mm -hmm. And I think I was like the first wave of what you would call creators or like this idea of like, what do you do with a superstar within your organization? What do you do when you have somebody that builds power? And I think that's what many organizations are going to be grappling with over the next decade or two decades. They're going to try to ask the question, what do you do with people that are building their own leverage and power? And before I left Lloyd, I actually met with all the partners there that I loved and I still love today. I said, listen, what's crazy is that I could make more of an impact on my own than I could when I'm with Deloitte, which is one of the best consulting companies in the world. And they all are like, yeah, we agree, but we're not set up for that, right? And most organizations are not set up for it. And that's why media companies today, that's what they're grappling with is like, oh, how do we navigate stars? Like the New York Times, or that's why writers are going to Substack. That is the question of the decade in terms yeah. of talent. What do you do with stars? Well, you got Scott Galloway, incredible professor who said, I'm going to start my own course online. Yeah, exactly. And that's an example of a, you know, somebody that over the last number of years in a very controversial way, or, you know, he's built his own leverage and his own power and he's built his own audience, which is pretty cool. He did this one article about like, he was teaching this NYU course and he kind of broke down the costs and he was like, this is like a Netflix app because it was like watching Netflix because he was doing yeah. it over Zoom and it was like, this is the cost. You know, this is how much the school is making off me right now coming to you live over Zoom. And it was just, and I think he maybe saw those numbers and the writing on the wall and he said, hey, what if we could do it a little differently and make it a little more yeah. accessible? The punchline is the, of that is that when you go to school, you're not there for Scott Galloway's teachings. You're there to like make friends, make love, get punched in the face. Like you're there for so many other reasons, which is not accounted for. That's just content. It's just like virtual events. Like I feel like in virtual, my content matters a ton because when everything is stripped away, I matter. But in an in-person event, let's be honest, like I'm important, but I'm not that important compared to the magic, the collisions, people coming yeah. together, running into you know, folks, that's the most important piece is like the connections that you build. And almost the speaker's job in those events I find is, hey, say something that will cause conversation or give people leading questions when they leave your talk to be like, go talk in the hallway about this. Or when you're having drinks tonight, talk about this discussion. Totally. You're 100% yeah. right. And then we look at like, you mentioned Malcolm Gladwell, like he's been recruiting all sorts of reporters or Substack, but then he's been getting reporters to actually start their own podcasts. So I'd like to get your thought on that because I think, yeah. to me, this is how brands of the future need to be thinking about their talent. Not everybody, but 
you know, which is like, how do you empower and allow people the space, the tools, the technology to create their own brands, their own voices under an umbrella? Not many companies are able to do this. I think there's like companies like Barstool Sports or Morning Brew, they certainly do this and they're more of the media space. But I can see it in marketing, in consulting, accounting. Like to me, that's just, that's white space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I've seen interesting is when like Pushkin, his podcast, yeah. like he'll sometimes were two incredible reporters that broke this amazing story from the Wall Street Journal. He did it in partnership with Wall Street Journal because Wall Street Journal says, hey, they're still our stars, our reporters, but let's do it in partnership because you're really good at this podcast world. But I think it's that whole piece where even when I was watching, you know, post media kind of imploding and losing reporters, like my favorite reporter, tech reporter, if they had, and this was also the rise of influencers, if they had treated her like a tech influencer or a tech creator versus like just, you know, not just a reporter, I think they would have kept her and they could have, you know, found other revenue streams because everyone started chasing all these sponsorship opportunities with influencers, whereas reporters in some ways were the OGs of influencers. You're absolutely right. They were the OG of influencers. And I think now you're starting to see people recognize the level of their power. And this is about power. I think influence is about power. And these creators or these influencers that are coming up, it used to be cute. I mean, you're in marketing, influencer marketing, like it's cute, right? People are building their audience, like great, it's cute. But the reality is, is that Creators are the next generation of founders. They're the next generation of entrepreneurs. The most disruptive brands over the next 10 to 20 years will be individuals. Because guess what? Individuals have distribution. They can build affinity and customers and their users. And I think this is what's going to threaten traditional brands is individuals. And I think most companies don't see it. It's happening. It's starting to happen. and It's going to happen more and more. Yeah, the Gutenberg Press, that revolutionary time period. It's like, I remember when blogs first got off the ground and were huge. I remember blogging. You would blog and get like a blog spot or a WordPress blog. It's like the Gutenberg Press came into everyone's hands. They had the power of that ability. It's massive. Totally. And now you're seeing with all the other platforms and it's just going to accelerate. So for you, like your platform that you find the most kind of productive that you're finding, is it, what would you say? Would it be the physical stage? Would it be... LinkedIn or would it be an e-newsletter? Where are you kind of putting your time and energy these days for your own brand, the Sean brand? I think for the Sean brand, interesting question. I think it's both. I think you have to be digital and you have to be in person. So whether it's, you know, the team cutting up videos on TikTok or in shorts and then in person, you know, working with my agency partners to get in front of as many people as possible. I think being great on both ends is what I'm trying to strive for. And Part of the reason is that in person and being in front of people, there's nothing that replaces that, right? That's where you build true affinity and trust and relationships. But at the same time, digital is such a great way of reaching more people. And so, yeah, just trying to do both and and doing it at high quality and high production. Like the thing with my brand is that I've been very, over the last, I'd say four or five years, very curated in how I am seen around the world. Like, I don't want a single video of me on the internet that's not high quality. That's not a DSLR. You can go on YouTube. There's hundreds of videos. You can go on any platform. There's hundreds of videos. You're not going to find a video that's low quality because I want somebody to be like, wow, he put in the effort, somebody put in the effort so that this looks and sounds and feels good. His message must be important. 
Again, it's a trick. It's a trick. It may not be that important, but I want people to feel like it's important. And um, I think many people, we talk about this with brands all the time, yet we haven't done this with our personal brands. And I'm trying to really live and act by you know my values, which is showing up with production and showing up with effort, effort at the end of the day. It's amazing. Okay, so I need to talk about Queen and Rook. What does it mean? Yeah. Where did that name come from? Tell me what it's all about. You know, my father passed away about 10 years ago or 12 years ago. He was a big chess guy. He taught me chess at a very early age. And uh, I just loved chess. And I spent, you know, my youth like playing chess online and playing chess with other people. And I spent my entire career in strategy. And chess is all about strategy. And so I just want to combine the two. And, you know, that's where we get Queen and Rook. Really, it's the sort of umbrella entity to advising organizations and, you know, speaking on this topic of innovation and disruption. And it comes back to strategy at the end of the day. And that's why we called it Queen and Rook. It's amazing. Hey, and before I forget, speaking, just jumping back to your quality. I don't know if you know this, but you are still the poster boy of BCAMA's vision conference. Do you know, <laughs> do you know that? You know, it's funny because, and that's where I first met you is at BCAMA. And people kept on sending me daily hive stories of BCAMA of like this picture of me looking up. So, hey, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, like they're, they announced it again recently and there's Sean. I was like, oh, is he coming this year? And then it's like, no, you're just the, you're just like, the, you're the face of it. I should come back. Actually, it's been so long since I was there. And, you know, it's crazy because like that conference actually means a lot to me because it was one of the first, honestly, it was like one of the first conferences outside of the Deloitte machine that I keynoted. And that was kind of like my start, really. And it's crazy. I met you there. So... Um, full circle. So cool. Now, give me like your ideal client that comes in to your services. Who would be the perfect person or organization? An ideal client would be, you know, a client that is, you know, leading the way. I love working with like large incumbent, most established organizations in the world. Because to me, I like the idea of helping organizations disrupt themselves. You know, my entire career was about helping organizations grow or scale or get to the next mountain. Like this idea of going from zero to 100. What I actually find most fruitful and the most challenging and the most difficult is like, how do you disrupt yourself? How do you go from 100 to zero? How do you take the best companies and humble them? That to me is like, really fascinating because it's more of a cultural change than anything else. So yeah, that's, I think, probably who I enjoy working with the most. And who within the organization typically comes to you? Is it like maybe someone within kind of middle area or is it top management or is it board? Honestly, it comes through anybody. Usually, I don't know. Punchline is I don't know. But you know, I know I work with a lot with chief revenue officers, but it can come from anybody. You know, the beauty about putting your ideas out in the world is that it can attract anybody. So sometimes what happens is that somebody hears an idea, they take an idea from a video, they send it to somebody, they send that to somebody else, and then bada boom, they reach out and now we're getting connected. And that to me is the idea of content creating luck. That's why I love content. Content is the greatest creator of luck because you're spreading your idea out in the world and you have no idea who it's going to hit. And that's why I love it. Every time you put out a piece of high quality content with a great idea or story, you have no idea who it's going to reach. And that's why I'm obsessed with this idea of content. 
I want to get your take. And it is a very big question, but I want to maybe give you one take, right? Give me a taster. Give me like a Costco sample of marketing disruption. What does that mean today in kind of like going forward? How do you, what's your take on it with, you know, so many different platforms, so many things shifting and changing, but like, what's your advice to marketers that are listening right now, CMOs, brand side, what's kind of your kind of hot take for today? And knowing that this is going to be one piece of probably a very larger, you know, ideation, but what's your, what's your hot take for everyone today? What I find fascinating between the best companies in the world in the marketing space and direct-to-consumer companies and startups is that they actually have the same exact problem, which is how do we get people to care about us? How do we get people to care about that, about us? In a world that's increasingly competitive, increasingly noisy, we're all chasing the same thing. We are so distracted. We are inundated with messaging, with your TikToks and Twitters and your text messages. It's impossible to get people's attention and at the end of the day, get people's trust. And so my hot take is that in a world that's digital and fast and easy and transactional and seamless, that we should be investing in slow things, which is how do we make things more meaningful, more memorable and magical so people give a shit about what we are doing at the end of the day. And so you see all these direct-to-consumer companies, the reason why they haven't been profitable and why you're seeing the collapse come is because building trust and relationships is very difficult to do in a digital world. So you need both. You need to be great at digital and you need to have an unbelievable customer experience or customer support mindset too, because that's where you're going to get disproportionate value today. You get disproportionate value today by doubling down on slow things. So that's the hottest take, I think, in the room. And That's the take that's going to get us the number one marketing podcast in the country. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I want to know from you, though. I want to ask you this because you were the marketing line. What is your perspective on disruption in marketing? And I'd like to get your take on it. Yeah, yeah. Before, but really quick question. Will you be starting a magazine called Slow Company? <laughs> that is honestly the most genius idea that I've ever heard. First of all, magazine. Second, Slow Company is the greatest it's like the boring company. It's beautiful. So you just gave me an idea. I think I'm starting it. Yeah. You know, forget magazine. Yeah. We're just going to, in a cave, we're just going to like carve oh, it in that. actually. <laughs> I love it. Or even cooler, we can get pigeons, carrier pigeons, oh! and, and articles will go out in the little piece of paper on their legs. There we go. That's what or I'm fax. talking about. We could launch it on fax. And if you have a fax machine, you could subscribe you know, using this method by paging us at this number. Subscribe to our weekly facts called Slow Company. I love it. I love it. I think we just built something super disruptive. Slow Company. Okay, but the question is, do fax machines still exist? Like, do people still have them? And if we did that as a joke, but then some people might be like, no, I actually have a fax machine. I want to subscribe. Oh yeah, there's definitely still fax companies. Have you worked with a public sector organization? There's definitely fax machines. Wow. I remember working in an organization and they had a fax machine and it would always get spammed with like lunch menus around 11 o'clock because <laughs> someone figured out a way to even spam fax machines. I love that idea. Now you got me thinking. I love this company name, the slow company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I want to agree with you in that I think there's something about physical activations, sensory experiences like the smell, the taste, the touch that we've missed for years. Yeah. And I think that is going to have a, even where before it had a really big impact. I think many of us remember marketing kind of the WestJet Christmas commercial where, you know, it, it made everyone cry and, you know, they, they could order their presents, you know, by not thinking it was real. And then Santa delivered them when they landed on the next flight. Like there's something about that commercial. But then on top of it, when you walk around in the city and you we start getting out there, it's like if a brand can connect to their community and build that physical relationship that isn't just digital. I 100% agree. I think that's going to be more crucial than ever. And with ad blocker and iOS changes, like digital continues to not be as easy to win. Yeah, totally, 100%. And that's why I love, you know, and I'm going to bring it back to the creators because I think they have access to, you know, people care about people. People follow people. And the most disruptive entities in the world today are individuals. And so I believe so much that the next wave of disruptors will be individuals starting their own companies. And there has to be alignment. Like it can't be just random. You know, I think when you see creators really live and breathe their particular brands, that's where you see people really win. I think there's been lots of attempts of people doing something that's kind of way outside of their realm of expertise or the realm of, you know, just outside of their brand. And I think if you get that alignment between the individual and the brand, now we have something dangerous. Yeah. And great example, like Jillian Harris, right? Great Canadian yep. creator, like did a partnership with like Smash and Tess for a great outfit, did a partnership with Sage for a diffuser, and then launched her own Jilly Box, right? And broke the yeah. internet that day when people went to subscribe and 
and Brianna, like maybe it's a bigger example, but like, why would I be hired to model for a perfume brand when I can launch my own? Or why would I, you know, promote a makeup brand when I can launch my own? And so just examples of people choosing to own it versus endorse it. And I don't think we understand how profitable and how impactful like Kim Kardashian with skims and her lingerie, her bras, like, and, you know, you see Kylie with the cosmetics. Yeah. You know, these are great examples of brand alignment, right? And you can say whatever you want about the Kardashians, but they're like a couple decades into this game and they're killing it. So we need to like step back and be like, wow, they are monetizing their own personalities and they're creating the playbook, right? And we see the power of individuals. You know, you saw what Kanye did with Adidas and now they're on the rocks, but Adidas was able to take advantage of Kanye's halo. You see what's happening with Mr. Beast, who's one of the biggest YouTubers in the world, that he is able to get into things like snacks and he created, you know, 300 virtual restaurants, creating his own restaurant. He owns it. Like, and he owns it. And he He's owns not it. endorsing that, it. Yeah. What are we talking? Like, to me, that's incredible. And I'm excited to see the future of this. I want to unpack this a bit. So using Mr. Beast's great kind of yep. spinoff, Mark Rober, again, one of the top YouTubers, ex-NASA scientist, but I've been following him for a long time. My kids love him, but he does these incredibly educational, hilarious videos. But he, for a while, was endorsing like this Kiwi kit. And it was like, you could get this like kind of science experiment, you know, engineering kit sent to your house for kids. And he'd always be promoting it kind of pre-roll in his YouTube videos. But then... I watched the churn, like he had a few videos where there was no ads and then he's came up with his own box and he owned it. And I want to unpack it for you. And I'm just using this as a services industry. You worked for a services company. There's a lot of people on the call right now that are employees and working for a services business and organization. But what did it take for you to say, I'm going to leave and I'm going to own this. I'm going to own my name. I'm going to own my brand. And I'm not going to worry about needing to kind of endorse another or kind of wave another flag. So I believe that you can still work, to your example, I believe that you can still work with an organization and still build your own IP in that sense and your own content. You know, I did it at Deloitte. And of course, you know, ultimately I saw the power of leaving them. But I think you can do it internally. I'll give you a great example. There's an individual, her name is Mary Meeker. She had this piece of IP called Internet Trends Report. In fact, in 95, it was called the Internet Report, which was just basically a giant PowerPoint deck of all the internet trends. She would do it every Mm -hmm. single year. And that became her own IP. And people would know her for that particular report. And because of that, she was able to build her own brand, build her firm's brand. And then over the years, like now, just recently, she's like created her own bond capital and she's created her own like entity because of it. But she worked for many years under somebody else's umbrella. And I just think that you can still play in the creator economy or whatever we want to call it within an organization. and that not only helps your trajectory as an individual, but the organizations. So I think it's possible. We just need to figure out the right performance management compensation models to figure it out. I actually have a book coming out. I don't want to pump the book. Like it's not that important. Like it is important to me. I've been spending my blood, sweat and tears in this thing. It's coming out on December 6th called The Bold Ones. And it's actually the idea of individuals becoming disruptors. I dissect all these individuals, how they became disruptors. That's cool. And the reason why I wrote this thing is because 
I saw this power shift to individuals within organizations and outside of organizations. And I wanted to highlight the things that I was seeing. And I wanted to give this book to people that are working within organizations saying, listen, you don't have to leave. You don't have to go off and become an entrepreneur. But it's like, how do you create your own power within your organization? And that's why I wrote the book. Do you give advice for senior management and owners to say, hey, if you have one in your world, it's like if you've got a wild rabbit that's jumping around everywhere and you're used to maybe more like rabbits that stay in line, do you give them advice about like, here's how to work with that rabbit. Here's how to encourage them. Here's how to keep them. Here's how to like feed them and care for them. Yeah, yeah. I love the rabbit analogy. Well, first, sorry, first of all, right <laughs> well, first of all, you know, it's funny is that I actually try not to give any advice or answers. I, to me, like if you want answers, go to Google. I'm actually there to ask bold questions. And the bold question yeah. that I would ask the leaders in these organizations is, is this person still valuable working for your organization, even though that they're creating their own power? Are they still valuable for your organization? And if they are, then you need to give the power and the space and the tools and technology for them to create more leverage for you. The reality is, is that you shouldn't get so romantic of them potentially leaving because the punchline is, is that they're probably going to leave anyways at some point, potentially. But if you actually empower them and compensate them and give them the tools and technologies, they'll be like, I don't have to worry about anything. This company is giving me everything that I need to work in this environment. I'm going to stay. We need to treat our talent like they are stars because they are and give them the space to go off and do that and not be so romantic if they leave. By the way, if they leave, that is going to be the greatest marketing tool for you to recruit the next talent. And if they leave on a good note, you're going to be able to attract more people of that similar ilk. You're going to be able to bring in more stars. Your job is not to keep these people forever. Your job is to continuously promote stars. And that's how you're going to create a halo around your organization. So if they leave, great. They're going to create something better for you at the end of the day. Great advice. I love that. I hope this is sparking a lot of encouragement and literally sparking some fires in people who either A, are disruptors themselves and maybe kind of haven't let their full disruptor flag fly, or they know they've got some in their organization and they really haven't said, hey, go for it. I want to fan this flame that's inside you. I've seen it. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I think the thing that holds people back the most is that the reason why individuals within organizations don't want to go off and do that is because they're like, well, how is this going to impact my job security, my compensation at the end of the day, my title? And that actually prevents you from taking a risk and taking a shot. And if you can remove that risk of them losing what's actually part of their status and identity within an organization, then now you are allowing them the space to go off and innovate. To me, innovation requires an environment that's permissionless. You need that space to go off and try new things. If you can help them do that, you're starting to build a culture of innovation. Amazing. So your book, where can people find it? So the book is coming out on December 6th. You can pre-order it now on Amazon. It is going to be slow as well. Like it's going to be in bookstores and it's going to be in airports and it's going to be in... Audiobook? Audiobook. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually recording the audiobook in a couple of weeks in Toronto, which is a crazy story. Actually, you have to... I didn't know this. I'm not at the level of like, you know, Adam Grant or Simon Sinek or, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, but you have to like 
audition for your own audiobook. Oh, yeah. I'm like, damn, I didn't know that. So like my publisher, McGraw Hill, was like, yeah, you got to audition. I'm like, damn, I got to put in a good audition tape. Oh, yeah. So I put in a really sexy audition tape and I got accepted. That is wonderful. I'm going to be able to read my own book. <laughs> wow. You're crazy. I, I, you got two days book, three days booked. How many days you got yeah, booked got for that? Four days booked because- Four days. I'm an idiot. Reading my own book, I think will take a long time. So question, will you make it an enhanced audio book and add in some like clips and movie clips or TV clips or radio clips? You already know, you're already on top of it. You know, I think video is like, it's in my DNA. Yeah. That is my first love is video. So- Definitely going to, you know, enhance the book using video and TikTok and clips and, you know, doing whatever just to get the ideas out. To me, it's about, you know, that's why I love this podcast is because you are getting all these unbelievable people to spread their ideas. And I think I want to be able to explore different mediums of how to do that, not only through video, but that's why I wrote the book. I'm like, this is another medium that I haven't tested. And I just love the idea of ideas going out there and, you know, let serendipity go wild. Yeah. Okay. With your publisher's permission, of course, if you get the chance, download Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, the audiobook. Yeah. It is the first enhanced audio I've ever listened to. I know. Changed my life. So, um, you know what? That's what you meant by enhanced audio. So, I have listened to that. It is delicious. Right? That's my word for it. Delicious. And... I actually wanted to do that, do something like that too. But I think for a first-time author, I didn't have the clout yeah. uh, to do that okay. yet. Not yet, not so, yet. So, so for my second book, okay, which is called The Slow Book, yep. we are going to enhance the shit out of this. And we're going to put interview drops. We're going to put music. We're going to have Usher in the back, you know, doing his own music. It's going to be amazing. It's going to okay. be delicious. Sean, I got an idea for you. That book, when it releases, I know someone here who walks a lot. He just loves walking. He's older, he's retired, he walks a lot. If you gave him like, I'm going to say 50 bucks, right? And you get someone to order the book who's maybe in Vancouver, and then you tell him the book will take, you know, 37 days to get to you and he will walk the book to the, you know, the first delivery and he will slowly walk you know, stay in a hotel, walk. Like that would be a sweet way. Like my books are being delivered by, you know, like this guy named, you know, like Frank Brown and he's going to deliver each and every book by walk. It's the only way to get the book. Or I love that. You could say it's delivered by turtles, but then you got to deal with animal protection stuff because you don't want to hurt the turtles, right? (laughs) That's why this is why you're in marketing. You've just come up with so many ideas today from the pigeons to the turtles, to the rabbits, to the slow company. This is why you're in the space. Yeah, I'm trying to think of slow things, right? Like it would just be an interesting way to be like, or you get it where if you order the book, you get mailed one page at a time. So you make sure that people read it slowly. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, you don't binge it. Yes, a messenger will come and deliver it in a briefcase. A friend of mine, author, wrote a book during COVID called Binge. And so he's written a lot of books. He actually wrote a book called Generation X, which we now use yes. the term Generation Y. So he, he thought it'd be fun because everyone's like obsession with binging Netflix and Amazon. So he wrote a book for you to binge. And it's the opposite of slow because it's like you read the book because you're just supposed to like binge it in one kind of sitting. It was just kind of love his it. experiment in kind of how we consume books. I love that. But even in the slow book, you can even have like four or five blank pages to be like, hey, just take these pages, <laughs> slow down and think. 
Just coming up with slow ideas for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. I love it. Just have blank pages. It'd be awesome. It'd be so great. Oh, I love it. I love it. What about just having the option of the audio option of slowing it down to like point oh, yeah. two oh, yeah. five? What, but then yeah. you sound yeah. weird. You sound you'll sound like right. oh, kind of scary. I'll just read it slowly. Hello. Hello. My name. Yeah. And yeah. There you go. That'd be awesome. The slow version. The slow version. John, are you ready for rapid fire? You feel Let's set? do it. Okay. It's my favorite part. Okay. This is short, quick answers, and here we go. What was your first ever job? Athletes World selling shoes. Amazing. Now defunct. Athletes World. Yes, I remember that. Um, (laughs) Night owl or early bird? I'm all day. I'm just in the air. I'm early, night, I'm on. Perfect. Cat or dog person? Neither. Please do not have any of these things in my house. No, but I do like dogs. I just don't want one in my house. Dark or milk chocolate? Milk chocolate, for sure. I'm just smooth. Goes down nice. Nice. A favorite word right now? Disruption. It's always my favorite word. I love it. What is the last charity you supported financially or with your time and why? I think it was the Indo-Canadian Women's Association. They support my sisters, my mothers, my aunts, and they support new immigrants coming in and great organization. It's awesome. What's a movie that you just love you could watch over and over and over again? I love The Truman Show because... I feel like we're kind of in the Truman Show that everyone's watching us at all times. And I just love that concept. And uh, Jim Carrey does such a great job in it. It's awesome. Favorite song or album on repeat right now? Right now? I'm a new hip hop head. So I love what people are producing right now. Baby Keem. I love Baby Keem right now. But I'm a Drake guy. I'm just like, this is for Canada. I'm a Drake guy through and through. I think he's the GOAT. So I always got a, a couple of Drake tracks in the back. Nice. Go wheels, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. If you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing with your life? I think I would probably be depressed. Uh, no, I love the idea of becoming a hockey player or a basketball player, that's what I would probably be doing. But because I'm 5'7 and I'm built like a, I don't know, like a laddu, like I can't, which is like a nice Indian round dish. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that wasn't in my cards. So now I had to rely on my personality and my voice and my incredible hair. So Uh, yeah, (laughs) perfect, perfect. (laughs) So those that are listening just on audio, uh, make sure you check out Sean's hair. It's pretty awesome. What is an app in your phone you just can't live without? I probably can't live without my calendar. I think it sets up everything, but that, that is a boring answer. I think I'm not going to lie to you. I love TikTok. I yes. love just spending and wasting my entire life just looking at all the creativity. And I don't see it as a negative. I see it as a positive in the sense that although the Chinese are tracking me, what I love is just the creativity, just the creativity of the world coming up with new things, memeing things. I love it. Awesome. Favorite children's book? Dr. Seuss, I think, and that's probably why I love rap is yeah. because yeah. of the rhyming. I have two kids. And I love, I enjoy reading that to them and they enjoy it because, you know, we can play characters, we're rhyming. Yeah, so I love it. That's cool. What's the best thing you ever bought for under $10? The best thing I ever bought, well, I buy it every single day and it's called a Grande Pike and I just inject it into Mm. my bloodstream. Um, So that's really great. 
I lose things all the time. Yeah. So like, you know, these like little tile, I don't know yeah. if they're like under tile. $10 now, but yeah, like- I love tile, yeah. Those things like have saved my life because I lose my keys, I lose my yeah. wallet and just yeah. like, yeah, it's amazing. No, those things are great. What is the most important thing you ever changed your mind about? Yeah, I think to me, it was the idea of digital, like being everything, like everything should be digitized, everything should be efficient. Like, and- I learned this like maybe five, seven years ago when I was in the digital space and I'm like, wait a minute, like the slow things, the things that are, that seem wasteful can drive so much value. And now I see that everywhere and I believe so hardcore on it because I used to be the most digital, dig, let's digitize, let's tech, let's techify, let's everything. And now I appreciate the slow things. Maybe it's just having kids. That's awesome. Business or marketing book that you'd recommend? Wow. My favorite book is Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Mm. Um, I think the punchline of that book is that competition is for losers. And it is a honest read of why companies fail and how they can find secrets in the world. So I would say Zero to One. That's a new one I haven't heard yet. It's great. Podcast that you recommend that you love? The Marketing News Canada podcast for sure. No, I love... Um, that's a dangerous question because I listen to like a hundred different podcasts. I love the All In podcast. It's a podcast with Jason Calacanis, Chamath, David Friedberg, David Sachs. And they just talk about all these different issues from you know the war to the stock market and et cetera. I love that podcast. Newsletter or website that you recommend for resources and inspiration? To be honest with you, I like Nick Sharma's newsletter on the DTC world. I think he does a really great job. There's a writer named Packy McCormick who does some brilliant writing and has a great Substack and newsletter. So I would say probably them. What about a life hack that you'd be willing to share? Life hack. I think my life hack would be to like social note, which is the idea of like, you know, when you meet with somebody random, like yeah. you go to a hotel yeah. or a place that you might go relatively frequently is to write their name down. Like let's say you go to the airport lounge and then you see the same people, write their name down in your phone. And then when you see them again, or you're coming up or like a taxi driver is just to say their name and just learn something about them, put it in your phone. Then the next time you see them, try to learn a little bit more. And then you're going to start, because you can't remember everything, but yeah. if you write it down and you know, you now you're not starting fresh again. You're coming with their name and, and some more information that you wrote down. And I can't tell you how much that has like meant to, I've seen people cry. They're like, oh my God, you remembered like, mm -hmm. and of course I didn't remember. I put it in my phone, but you know, I actively was like, oh, your kid's name was blah, blah, blah. And like this and that, and just, it makes people stay. So the power of someone's name is a life hack. That's awesome. Uh, we get a lot of students listen to the show. We have a lot of profs that use this kind of as a class reading or listening. Those that are wanting to get a job kind of out there in the industry, marketing, advertising, business, what are skills that they need to work on? I think the number one skill is to be a practitioner, be a tactician. So obviously social is such a big game today. So like be a practitioner, like be in the TikTok ads, be in like, you know, create, show people that you can create, show people that you're a tactitioner, a practitioner. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to do that. It takes effort, might take a little bit of money, but show, not tell. I think that's the best way of developing skills and convincing someone that you are a great marketer. 
And lastly, where can people find you online? Where can they go to find and discover you more? Yeah, yeah. First of all, I want you to first find this podcast and follow it and rate it and subscribe to it. That's the number one thing, okay? Then go to Darian and follow him on everything. He's putting a lot of effort into this and his yeah. company. And then you can follow me at Sean Canungo anywhere. I'm on LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, wherever else. Just put in my name. I'm the only Sean Canungo, I think. And um, to date. Yeah, today, today, today. <laughs> Sean, it's been a pleasure to have you. I'm gonna go pre-order my book on Amazon. I am stoked, excited to hear the audio book as well. I actually like audiobooks when I'm starting to walk about or you know go on little adventures. So love that. Pretty excited about that. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you. I'm humbled and honored. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks everyone for joining us this episode of Marketing News Canada, and we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.